0: Come and get in on that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. As we approach your word today, we do so with a, with a, a heart of remembrance of what it is that Jesus has done for us, what he did for us 2,000 years ago. Through his passion, and his crucifixion and suffering. And, sir, we share this message to, today with that in our hearts and, and thoughts and minds. And to all the honor, all the glory and all the praise be to the Lord Jesus. And it's in His name that we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Let's open our Bibles to Mark the 15th chapter in the 25th verse. Mark the 15th chapter in the 25th verse. This will be in the Amplified, this verse here. It says, And it was the third hour... About nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. When they crucified Jesus. And I want to flash back from this time to the previous Sunday. To when they crucified him. And that is known as Palm Sunday, which is today. Today. The Sunday before the resurrection. The day of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. You know, as Jesus entered Jerusalem, it would be the culmination of a long journey toward Calvary, where he was crucified. He had come to save the lost, and the time was drawing near. Palm Sunday marked the start of what is often called Passion Week. The final seven days of Jesus' earthly ministry. And Palm Sunday was the beginning of the end, if you will, of Jesus' work on earth. Palm Sunday began with Jesus and his disciples traveling over the Mount of Olives. The Lord sent two disciples ahead of him into the village of Beth Paj to find an animal to ride. They found the unbroken colt of a donkey... Just as Jesus said that they would, they brought the donkey to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus upon the donkey. As Jesus journeyed toward Jerusalem, a large multitude gathered around him. They spread their garments on the road, while others cut palm branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And they were welcoming Jesus as king. Now, on that first Palm Sunday, the people also honored Jesus verbally. The crowd shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, quiet these people. But Jesus replied, if they keep silent, the very stones will cry out. Unfortunately, this celebration didn't last very long. The crowds looked for a Messiah who would rescue them politically and to free them nationally. But at this time, Jesus had come to save them spiritually. You know, mankind's primary need is spiritual, not political, cultural or national. Even as the multitudes waved the palm branches and shouted for joy, they missed the true reason for Jesus's presence. You know, it's a tragic thing to see the Savior, but not recognize him for who he is. The crowds who were crying Hosanna on Palm Sunday were crying, crucify him, crucify him, just one week later. You know, many things transpired the last week of Jesus earthly ministry. Now, I want to pick up with the Last Supper with his disciples and of course, you know, Judas leaves to betray, to betray Jesus. And in the process of time, Jesus agonizes in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood as he was keeping his will in line with the will of the Father, where he said, not my will, but thy will be done, while his three disciples slept nearby. Jesus then was taken, and when they came to take him, they couldn't have taken him if he wouldn't have wanted to go. You realize he said, No man takes my life from me. I lay it down and I take it up again. And in fact, when the soldiers approached him and asked who, you know, looking for Jesus, he said, I'm he, and the power of God hit him and leveled him. To the ground, they couldn't have taken t- that, that band, that army, that band of men—some, I don't know, several hundred men, soldiers—couldn't have taken Jesus if he didn't want to go. But in the will of the Father, he went, and his disciples flee. The soldiers and this group that came to get him at the garden took him to Annas, who was a high priest. Where one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand. And then Annas sent Jesus to Caiaphas. Who was also a high priest. And the Sanhedrin. They spit in Jesus face. And they beat him. And others struck him with the palms of their hands. Isaiah made the statement, the prophet in the Old Testament, and he said that, he said, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. And it was at this time that they beat Jesus in the face and they plucked his beard and they spit in his face, the very one that came to save them. And then, of course, we have Peter's three denials, where he denied that he knew Jesus three times in a very short span of time, before the daylight hour. Judas commits suicide, and then Jesus appears before Pilate for the first time, and Pilate sends Jesus to Herod. And Herod, with his men of war, treated Jesus with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. Jesus comes before Pilate the second time, and Pilate asked Jesus several questions. And after questioning Jesus, Pilate could find no fault in him and wanted to release him. But the crowds cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And of course, Barabbas, the murderer, was released instead of Jesus. Pilate soldiers, some upwards of 600 men, took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered around him and stripped Jesus naked. Tied him to the whipping post and beat him unmercifully. They put a scarlet robe on him, a reed in his hand and a crown of thorns in his head. They mocked Jesus, bowing their knees, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They took the reed and struck him on the head. And then put his own clothes back on him and led him away. Jesus carrying his cross headed towards Calvary. Jesus, because of the whipping and the beating that he had taken, he falls under the weight of the cross and Simon of Cyrene is compelled to carry it the rest of the way. They arrive at Mount Calvary also known as Golgotha or the place of the skull. And the Bible says at nine o'clock in the morning, they crucified him. And you know, a lot of times we read that they crucified him. But in that word crucify, you must understand that the crucifixion process was a horrible, 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 horrible thing. They nail his hands to the cross and his feet to the cross and they suspend him up into the air and it's almost impossible for Jesus to breathe. They offered him sour wine mingled with gall, which was a narcotic painkiller, but Jesus refused it. The soldiers divided his garments and cast lots for them. They put a sign up on the cross over Jesus' head with the accusation written against him, This is Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Two thieves were crucified with him, one on his right hand and another on the left. And had we been there, we would have heard Jesus make statements and cries from the cross. Seven in number. The first thing he cries out, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What a statement to make. After all that he had just been through. These people that beat him and whipped him and spit upon him and cursed him. And now he's hanging there. And he says, Father, forgive them. Every one of us really need to pay real close attention right here because we're supposed to be the exact same way. After people spit on us and beat us with their words and say all kinds of evil and ill and horrible things about us, things that are not true, because, you know, the things they said about Jesus were not true. He didn't deserve any of the things that were done to him. And the first thing he says, as he is suspended between heaven and earth, is he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. He is our Lord and our Savior, but he is also our example. And what an example to follow. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I feel impressed of the Spirit of God to camp on this for just a moment. There's some people in here, you've been done dirty. Some folks have done you dirty. Somebody's done you dirty. They've treated you in a way they should not have treated you, and they've done you dirty. Dirty. But you need to forgive them. And remember this they don't succeed unless you hate them back. And when you do that, you destroy yourself. Forgive them. Forgive them. One of the hardest things to do, but it must be done. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me, Pastor. I could tell you some stories. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said about me. I didn't have any of it coming. I didn't deserve it. But, but, but they said you don't. You should. What are we supposed to do? Forgive them. Real loud, say forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. If Jesus can forgive. What was done to them, what was done to him, how much more could we forgive what's been done to us? Because nobody's done us as bad as what they've done Jesus or what they did. Is that right? Think of it. The son of God. Second member of the Trinity. The word made flesh never sinned one time. He got whipped and spit on and beat and everything you can imagine and some things you probably even couldn't imagine. What's the first thing he cries out? Father, what? for? What? Forgive them. Forgive them for they know not what they do. The next thing that we would observe is that when he was crucified, one thief on the right, one on the left, both of the thieves were reviling Jesus. Both of them. Initially. But one of them repented. The other one didn't. It's good to know that we can repent even at the midnight hour. Jesus said to him. The second thing we hear him say today you'll be with me. In paradise. What wonderful words to hear. The next thing. Jesus. Turns the authority that he had. The responsibility. That he had of his mother. He turns her over to John. When he said woman behold. Your son and. Tells his disciple John. Behold your mother. Think about that. Think about that. In that time when Jesus had been whipped and beaten. Would have killed most people. Most people actually never made it to the cross. The, the, the thieves that they would. as That was their form of capital punishment. Most of them never made it to the cross. They died at the whipping post. You got to realize the beating that was given was it was, was horrible. But even in the state that Jesus was in, he's still cognizant of the responsibility that he had to his mother. The Bible says we're supposed to honor our father and our mother. And he says, behold your son to his mother and to his disciple John. He said, behold your mother. At high noon, because Jesus went on the cross at nine in the morning, at high noon, darkness covered the land. And darkness in the Bible very often is a sign or a symbol of the judgment of God. Why would there be darkness at high noon? Well, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, just listen to this, Surely He has borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. That moment of time... I believe all of the sins of mankind and iniquities of mankind was laid upon Jesus. And not only sins and iniquities, but all sickness and disease was laid upon him. And he bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. He bore our sickness and carried our disease. And darkness was upon the land at high noon. You see, if you study into it, you'll see in the word of God that from nine in the morning till high noon, he hung as the... Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world and the sin offering. But at high noon, the Bible makes a statement in 2 Corinthians that he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. And when all the sins of mankind were laid upon him. God judged sin in Jesus. I'm so glad that God judged sin in Jesus. and not in us. Something we need to be cognizant of not only at the this time of the year but every day that we live on this earth. It's what Jesus bore for us on the cross. And that holy blood that was shed that washes away sin. And as he hangs suspended between heaven and earth, Isaiah also said, he is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. And we did not esteem him. It's interesting, the prophet said he was rejected by men. You know, Jesus was rejected by just about everybody you could think of. The Bible says he came unto his own and his own received him not. The Jews as a whole, whom are God's chosen people, have to this day as a whole rejected him. Jesus went into his hometown and preached in his hometown. And they got so angry with what he said that they let him out to the edge of the hill that they might throw him over the cliff. He was rejected by his hometown people. The Bible says the cities in which Jesus did most of his mighty works did not repent and they rejected him. His brothers, or his half-brothers, you know, because Mary and Joseph had other children... Jesus was born of a virgin, but Mary and Joseph, it's very clear, had other children. And his brothers didn't believe on him during his earthly ministry. Now, after he was raised from the dead, we know that Jude and James did. But during his earthly ministry, they didn't believe on him, rejected him, if you will. At one point, Jesus' own mother thought he was out of his mind. That's a form of rejection. Have you ever had any of your family members think you were crazy for serving God? That's a form of rejection. Think of it, John the Baptist. Who said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world at another time when John was in prison sent messengers to ask Jesus, Are you the one who is to come or do we look for another? Think how Jesus must have felt when he heard those words. Coming from John the Baptist. There was a time the Bible says that many of Jesus' disciples went back and walked with him no more. We know that Judas betrayed him with a kiss. Have you ever been betrayed with a kiss? I have. What does that mean? People are real nice to you, to your face, and say all kinds of wonderful things to you, to your face. But at a crucial time, they stab you in the back. What's the first thing Jesus said on the cross? Father what? Forgive them. It's interesting Jesus called Judas friend. Even as Judas is betraying him. When Jesus was taken from the garden as we said earlier. All of the disciples fled. And then we know Peter denied Jesus three times. And the crowd, as we've said several times, cried, crucify him, crucify him. You see, he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And upon the cross, those who passed by blasphemed him, shaking their heads, saying, if you're the son of God, come down from the cross. The chief priests also mocking with the scribes and elders said he saved others. But himself he cannot save. If he's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross. And we'll believe. In him. Yes Jesus was despised. And rejected of men. A man of sorrows. Acquainted with grief. and. The whole list of people that rejected him. One right after another. I know it must have hurt Jesus. I think the thing that crushed him. The reason that he agonized in the Garden of Gethsemane. That high noon when darkness came upon the land. And Jesus has made sin. And then the ultimate rejection. As God drew the blinds of heaven. I'm talking about God the Father. And turned his back on his only begotten son. And we have Jesus' fourth cry from the cross, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? And I believe that was the one that crushed him. That's how much God loves us. That he'd put his son on the cross and turn his back on him. And Jesus would be the rejected one so that we could be accepted when we place our faith in him. I love Jesus. How about you? Because he hung there as our substitute. Despised and rejected and acquainted with grief. And in that moment at high noon, the Bible says in the book of Daniel that Messiah was cut off, but not for himself. Well, who was he cut off for? He was cut off for you and for me. He was cut off and rejected so that we might be accepted in the beloved, accepted in him. Somebody once asked and said, well, I wonder what it would have been like to have been there when Jesus died upon the cross. I wonder what it would have been like to look at that and to see that. And I'll tell you what you would have done because Isaiah prophesied and he said we hid As it were, our faces from him. Had you been there, you would have done the same thing I would have done. Oh, wouldn't it be interesting to see we would have hid as our faces? Why is that? Because I don't think any of us realize what Jesus looked like upon that cross. I've seen many Hollywood movies try to portray it, but I don't believe any one of them have even come close. To what Jesus looked like on that cross. Isaiah further went on and said that he became an object of horror. You can read this Isaiah 52, 53. You can read it in there. That Jesus became an object of horror. His face and his whole appearance were marred, the Bible says, more than any man's. And his form beyond The sons of men. Think about it. Every sin and every iniquity laid on Jesus. For all mankind, for all time, laid on Jesus. And then not only that, but all the sickness, all the disease, all the mental malady. Think of what he must have looked like on that cross. Unrecognizable as a man. And He did it for you and for me. Don't ever forget that. He didn't have to be there. But for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son And the Father gave him. But Jesus didn't have to accept the assignment. But he did. At three o'clock in the afternoon. Jesus makes his fifth cry from the cross. And he says, I thirst. At which time he's given a non-narcotic drink. He cries out and he says, it is finished. And then, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And he yielded up his spirit. And he died upon that old rugged cross. And The song says, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. I'm so glad for that old rugged cross. The emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. And Jesus dies upon the cross. And when he died, the earth shook so violently, there was an earthquake. The Bible says the rocks were split and the veil of the temple was torn, not from the bottom to the top, but from the top to the bottom. And what God did was break down that veil. So now, because of what Jesus did upon the cross and the shedding of his holy blood, now we have access to almighty God through him. Can anybody say praise the Lord? And it was such a moving event that the centurion and the other guards, these hardened Roman soldiers, heathens, were so terrified and so moved by what they observed and experienced that day, that they said, truly, this was the Son of God. They did not break a bone of his body, but they did pierce his side. Remember the Bible says blood and water came forth. His body was taken from the cross, prepared and wrapped, then placed in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, the rich man. They sealed The tomb with a large and heavy stone. And put a strict guard upon the tomb. So that no one could come and steal Jesus' body. The Bible is clear. His spirit went into the inner workings of the earth. In the spirit realm. It's very clear. Into hell itself. And I make no apologies for that statement. Because that's where the Bible said that he went. And I'll go you one better. The Bible said he went into the suffering side of hell. And suffered there for three days and three nights. And I say that unapologetically because that's what the Bible says. And it's, it's clear. You'd have to have a theologian help you to misunderstand that. That's where Jesus' spirit went. But thank God the story doesn't end there. The Bible says that his flesh rested in hope in the tomb. Hope of what? In hope of the third day. And on the third day, you can call it Easter if you want, but I call it Super Sunday, Celebration Sunday. I'd rather not call it Easter. I'd rather call it Resurrection Day. Praise God. Can you say amen? Amen. Can you say amen? amen? I said, can you say amen? amen. Glory to God. Because uh, you know what happened on the third day. And, and we'll finish this story next Sunday. Did you get anything out of this today? Well, let me leave you with two verses. Let's go to Colossians 2, verse 14. I could preach right about now. Because there's great victory when Jesus is raised from the dead. My, 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 my. You get to preaching. You preach, you preach the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You preach it right under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And you'll see Baptists start shouting and running around the room excited. Praise God. Did you hear me? <laughs> we'll hold that off till next Sunday. Let me leave you with two verses of Scripture. Colossians 2.14. Maybe two of the best verses on the crucifixion that we have in the Bible. There's others, but this is perhaps two of the best ones. Colossians 2.14 says, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. See, there were some requirements that were against us. But Jesus wiped those out These handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having what? Nailed it to the cross. Praise God. That's why he went through all of what he went through. To take the requirements Of the law that were against us. That were going to condemn us to hell. And he came in and he took them out of of the way. And he bore that punishment himself. As we saw today. So that we don't have to. All we have to do is place our faith from our heart. With a repentant heart. Place our faith in him. And just that fast we get accredited with his righteousness. Isn't that wonderful? Because of that we never have to spend one day. Not one second in hell. If we'll receive Jesus. What he did for us. And then Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. The Apostle Paul writes. To those who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus. And he says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. See the thing you need to realize. Is that in the mind of God. We were there in Christ being crucified with Him. In other words, it's accounted in heaven that we died upon the cross and that we suffered. But you see, we we didn't do it ourselves. Jesus did it for us, but it's accounted to us when we believe on Him. Did you get what I just said? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God. ...who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise God. Let's, let's keep that on the screen for just a moment. Let's stand in the presence of a holy God here. Let's read this together as a congregation. Say, let's read it. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise God. Well, this just Lord, we just let's thank him for. Lord, we thank you for everything you did for us. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you. We could never thank you enough for all that you've done for us. We appreciate it. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now my assistant's going to come and close up the service. He'll just take a minute with it. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Every eye closed, every head bowed in this place. As sobering as this message is today, it's a part of the good news. You can't have the resurrection without the crucifixion.